My name is Rick Renner, and I'm in the ancient city of Sardis, which at one time was the capital of the Lydian kingdom, and eventually became a big Roman city in the Roman province of Asia. And today I'm looking at these columns, these massive, massive columns, which now are broken, they're falling into ruins and into disrepair, and I'm wondering how can a place that was built so well, it was so rich, and existed for so long, how can it become a place that now is just filled with crumbling ruins? How does that happen? And when you consider the history of Sardis, it's even more amazing. This was a very rich city, and at one time had been very powerful. But history shows that over a period of time, they became rather smug about who they were. Complacency began to set in. They thought, well, we're Sardis, we're great, we're renowned, we're rich, we're powerful, we're mighty. No one can ever affect us. And because complacency began to set in, they stopped taking care of themselves. And little by little, the city of Sardis and the people of Sardis began to fall into disrepair. And apparently that's what happened to the church as well. Because in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus spoke to the church of Sardis and said, you have a name, you have a reputation that you're alive. But the truth is, you're nearly dead. They were not living up to their great reputation that they had in the past. They were living in a shadow of their former spiritual glory. And Christ told them, repent. Repentance is often the solution for problems in our lives. Making a decision to change, to go back where we once were, to do what is right before God. Jesus said to the church of Sardis, it's time for you to repent. That's a powerful word that we need to understand. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Today is my last in this series about how to resist the devil or how to build a wall of defense to keep the devil out of your life. And in the introductory piece, I was in the ancient city of Sardis. Wow, what a story. The city of Sardis came under attack because they were negligent to deal with cracks in the walls of the city. And I'm going to come back to that example in just a few moments. But first, today is the last day that we're offering you my series called How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life. It's a 10-part series based on these programs that comes with a marvelous study guide that is filled with all the Greek words and definitions that I've used in all of these programs, along with all kinds of points and additional information. It really is wonderful for your personal study or study in a Bible study group. I think you should get it. Today's the last day that we're offering it, and it comes with a little book called Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. The subhead says, Overcoming the Wiles, Devices, and Deception of the Devil. It's 100 pages. It's small enough that you can put it in your purse or your briefcase, read it on the way somewhere, but it's 100 pages really loaded with revelation about spiritual weaponry that you need to drive the enemy out of your life. It will make a difference for you. But let's jump right into the teaching. And again, today is the final teaching in this series. And we're going to begin with our foundational verse, which is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Let's begin today with that word adversary. That word adversary, we've seen in previous 
programs is the Greek word anti-dikos, and that is significant because in the first century when Peter was writing this verse, this word translated adversary, the Greek word anti-dikos, was used to describe a prosecuting attorney. You can literally translate the verse, the devil, your prosecutor. We have to think about what a prosecutor does. A prosecutor prosecutes. And how does he prosecute a victim? He uses some area where they have broken a law, where they have violated a principle, they've done something wrong, and he uses that area to charge them, to prosecute them, and to legally take them down. If they've done nothing wrong, then he cannot prosecute them. His prosecution is based on something they did wrong. And now Peter uses this very word to describe how the devil operates. The devil is looking for a way to get into our lives. If we're living right, if we're doing everything right, if we're obeying the Bible, and walking in obedience, listening to the Holy Spirit, then every door is closed, every crack is sealed. But if we've done something wrong, either through disobedience or even through negligence, it often creates a violation, a place where the devil says, there it is. That's my way to get into their life. He looks for a place of violation, and that becomes his access point into our lives. And that's why Peter begins the verse by saying, be sober, be vigilant. Be sober, the Greek word nepho means be serious, don't think like a silly drunk, be serious-minded, be vigilant. The Greek word Gregorio, put up a wall of defense, be on high alert, be on your guard, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And then he says in verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, whom resists steadfast in the faith. We've already seen that that word resist is the Greek word anthistomy, and here's again what it means. To resist, to arrange oneself against, that word arrange means this is not last minute or haphazard. This is a very well-planned arrangement, resistance, to arrange oneself against, to strategically oppose, or even better, an orderly and pre-planned assault. This is not somebody saying, well, we'll figure out to do when we're attacked. This is someone who says, we're going to build our life in such a way that if we're attacked, that attack will fail. It is an orderly and pre-planned resistance. The word steadfast in this verse is from the Greek word stereos, which means to bolster or to reinforce. When you put all these words together, an RIV of 1 Peter 5, 9 says, whom you must strategically oppose, resisting his potential assaults by putting up a pre-planned resistance, you must do all you can to bolster and reinforce yourself in the faith. There are practical things we can do to bolster and to reinforce ourselves, to put up a pre-planned resistance. So even if the adversary tries to get in, he'll never find a way to get into our life. And I've been giving you practical things you can do. And very quickly, we're going to review them. They're all practical, they're all doable, or I wouldn't be giving them to you. What I'm telling you is what I do in my life every day. It doesn't take hours. It takes minutes, but by doing these things, I build a wall that protects me from the attacks of the enemy. So what are they? Let's review the first six, then we're going to get into number seven. Number one, every day spend time with God in the morning. Psalm 5.3, David says, in the morning, Lord, you're going to hear my voice, and I'm going to look up. David knew if he didn't begin by looking up, 
his thoughts would go down. He would hear something bad. How about in your case, you're going to get a bad email, a bad phone call, a text message that upsets your day, or your spouse looks at you funny. Something happens and suddenly you're assaulted. Before you ever lift your head off the pillow, look up. Just begin with a brief prayer. Immediately you're constructing a wall of defense. It's very important and you can do this. Number two, every day spend some amount of time feeding your spirit on other sources. Our scripture for that is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Paul was in prison. Paul said, Timothy, when you come, bring me books. Paul wanted something to read to feed his spirit because he knew it would strengthen him in the time that he had left in life. You need to be feeding your spirit on other sources. It doesn't mean you have to read a whole book every day, not even a whole chapter, but read something that will strengthen you. It will feed you. It's like fertilizer to a garden. Number three, every day spend some amount of time in quietness. Our scripture for that is Proverbs 27, verse 19. You need to be in touch with yourself. Not just in touch with the Lord, in touch with yourself. How you feel, what you think, what you desire. If you're just constantly moving through life like a robot, you become dull. And when you become dull, you become susceptible to attack. But when you're in touch with yourself, what you think, what you feel, really what you desire in life, it helps you to remain spiritually alert. And when you're alert, then you're vigilant. Number four, every day spend some amount of time with those who strengthen you. Our scripture for that is Hebrews 10, verse 25, where the Bible says we need people in our life daily that will exhort us. Who is in your life to encourage you? Who gives you strength? How often do you see them? How often do you talk to them? My friend, you need allied troops in your life, people that will stand with you, support you, walk through the battles of life with you, and help you keep the devil out of your life. You need people who will strengthen you. And if you don't have anybody like that right now, then call us. We'll pray for you. And at this moment, we'll be those allied troops to help you spiritually. Or how about number five? The easiest to do. Every day, throughout your day, stop to acknowledge God in your life. Our scripture for that is Psalm 119, 164, where David says, seven times a day, I'm going to acknowledge God because of his righteous judgments. Well, David had a lot of injustice in his life. People that were against him, family that was against him, enemies outside, enemies inside. David was surrounded by so much injustice that he could have emotionally been swallowed by feelings of injustice. Everybody's against me. Everybody's out to get me. So David said, you know what I've done? I fixed my calendar. I fixed my schedule. So seven times a day, it doesn't matter what I'm doing or what I'm hearing. I just stop to remember that God is righteous in all of his judgments. It's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to stop to remember Jesus is Lord and God is in control. David says seven times a day. It's good for you periodically throughout your day just to stop, to pause and say, you know what? I'm going to recognize God's goodness and Jesus' lordship in my life and in all of my affairs. If you'll mentally do that over and over and over throughout the day, it will really keep you on top. It will help you keep up that wall of defense. And now, number six, every day say no to the things you're supposed to say no to. That might be the hardest of all of them for me personally, because I'm always tempted to say yes to everything. I want to help everybody. I want to empower everybody. I'm tempted to always say yes, but you're not always supposed to say yes. And in fact, when you say yes to everything, you will overcommit financially. You will overcommit 
in your schedule and you'll get into confusion and strife with yourself, strife with your finances, strife with your schedule. And according to James chapter 3 and verse 16, when you get into strife, it opens the door for confusion and every evil work. That word evil, the Greek word phallos, it describes something vile, ugly, nasty, something really foul. When you get into strife, it opens the door for the devil to get into your life. You don't want to do that. So stop saying yes to everything, getting into strife with yourself. Strife with your schedule, strife with your family, strife with your staff, strife with your finances because you said yes when you should have said no. Now, there are many things you need to say yes to. That's a fact. But there are many things you're saying yes to that you're supposed to say no to. And if you'll say no to the wrong things, then you'll strengthen yourself, you'll bolster that wall of defense, and it will make it difficult for the devil to get in. This is so very vital. Now we come to number seven. Number seven is, every day, pray to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And our scripture is Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 21, where the Apostle Paul writes, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Paul begins in this verse by saying, be not drunk with wine. <coughs> the word drunk describes a person that is a drunkard. He is inebriated. And we've already seen that when a person's drunk, they're not sober. They drop their guard. They do things they wouldn't normally do. They say things they wouldn't say. They permit things they wouldn't normally permit. When he says, be not drunk with wine, he's really telling us to be sober. It's the same thing that Peter said to us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. But now Paul says, stop getting drunk with wine. Stop dropping your guard. He says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. The word filled that is used here is the Greek word plurao. It means to fill to capacity, to fill to the full. And the Greek tense that is used really means be being filled with the Spirit. It means every day you can be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. There's an initial experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But from that moment onward, our goal is to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. So every day when I wake up, I pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. It takes seconds to pray that. But the result is monumental. When you're refilled with power, refilled with inspiration, refilled with divine energy, it changes everything. It changes the way you think, and it makes you less susceptible to attack. Look at the rest of the verse. It says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks unto God the Father, and finally it says, submitting one to another. Wow! This is a person that is very difficult to be penetrated by the devil. First of all, they're so filled with the Spirit that they're speaking to themselves in psalms. That word psalms is the Greek word psalmos. It means they're singing songs of praise. The word hymns, the Greek word humnos. It describes sacred compositions or the primary goal of music that gives glory to God. Rather than thinking about yourself and your dilemma, you're focused on God, His goodness, His glory. Spiritual songs is a Greek word which really means songs in the spirit, singing in the spirit, or singing in tongues. 
The word melody means to pluck the strings of a harp or a bow. It describes the heartfelt expression of music. Here we find a person not down in the dumps, a person who is so filled with the Holy Spirit that he's singing songs, hymns, singing in tongues. He's just filled. There's an overflow taking place. His mind is affected. His emotions are affected. He's just so filled. That's a person that's very difficult for the devil to take down. Even if the devil tries to penetrate that person, it's very difficult because they are so filled with the Spirit of God. Finally, it says giving thanks. You know, it's very hard to be negative when you're filled with thanksgiving. And here the Bible says that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're also filled with thanksgiving. And finally, it tells us in the next verse, submitting one to another. The word submitting, the Greek word, which literally means to be in submission or to defer to someone else. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're in a position to be helped because you're willing to be helped. You're allowed somebody else to be those allied troops in your life. Wow, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it really positions you to be changed and to be free from attack. So here's our seven points. Every day, spend time with God in the morning. Number two, every day, spend time feeding your spirit on other sources. Number three, every time, spend some amount of time in quietness. Number four, every day, spend some amount of time with those who strengthen you. Number five, every day, take time throughout your day to acknowledge God. Number six, every day say no to the things you're not supposed to do. And number seven, every day pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you'll do those seven things, you will build a wall of defense that will make it very difficult for the devil to get into your life. Even if he tries to attack you, he won't get in because you have done seven things which really builds a barricade. You've been diligent on high alert You've taken precautionary steps to make sure the devil never gets inside. Those things work. I'm telling you, they work. I do them in my life. Now let's go back to the city of Sardis, which is where we began our program. The city of Sardis, the ancient city of Sardis. Christ speaks to that church in Revelation chapter 2, and he says some amazing things to them. He tells them to repent. He tells them that he's not found their works to be perfect. What happened to the ancient city of Sardis? It's very important that we end here. The city of Sardis was a very ancient city, set on the very peak of a mountain, on an acropolis. It was reputed to be a city that could not be penetrated. And the people of Sardis became so secure that they became smug about their security. And they actually began to say, we are Sardis. We are the city that will never fall because of where we are located on the top of a mountain, because of our thick, high walls. We can never be penetrated by an enemy. And guess what? That really had been their reputation. That was their historical record. But they became so smug and so secure about how invincible they were that they didn't notice that geologically things were changing. The earth was moving. And as the earth moved very slowly over a long period of time, the walls of the city began to form cracks. The cracks did not appear abruptly. It was very slowly over a long period of time. But because they were so smug about who they were and how secure they were, they weren't paying attention to their foundations. And through negligence, through simply ignoring, looking at their foundations, 
they didn't realize they were forming cracks. And one day an enemy came, and the enemy discovered those cracks. And the enemy who could never penetrate the city figured out that he could slip into the city through the cracks. And one night while the people of Sardis were sleeping, Persia came. They scaled the cliffs up to the base of the city of Sardis. And one by one, the enemy began to slip through the cracks into the city of Sardis. And the next morning when the people of Sardis were awakened, they were shocked to find they were surrounded by an enemy on the inside who had penetrated them through their cracks. That did not have to take place. If they had been paying attention, if they had not been negligent, they would have recognized they had cracks. But because they weren't looking, because they were not being careful, because they were being negligent of very important things, they allowed cracks to form and the enemy penetrated them through their cracks. Wow! That makes me think of Peter's words in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be vigilant, put up a wall of defense, because the devil, the adversary, he's the one looking for a gaping hole, he's looking for a crack, he's looking for some entry point to slither into your life. Well, what did Jesus say to the church of Sardis? This was their background, this was their history, and when Jesus spoke to them, he said to them, things with you guys are not so swell. You need to strengthen the things that remain, you need to deal with your issues, you need to deal with places of negligence. And then he said, you need to repent. What does he mean? The word repent is a Greek word, metanoeo, and I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. It describes a change of mind that results in a complete, radical, total change of behavior. The word repent, the Greek word metanoeo, means a decision to entirely turn around in the way that one is thinking, believing, or living. The word repent, the Greek word metanoeo, is a decision to change one's thinking, believing, or actions. It is a transformation affecting every part of a person's life, both inside and outside, resulting in behavioral change. Jesus said to the church of Sardis, my friends, things are not so swell. You have issues because of negligence. You need to deal with the cracks in your foundation. The devil's been penetrating you. Things are not so great with you. Now it's time for you to recognize what needs to change. And Jesus never just says, recognize. He never just says, say you're sorry or admit you've made a mistake. Jesus says, repent. Repentance is the action that closes the door. Repentance seals the cracks. The word repentance really means... Don't just say you're sorry. It's time for you to take action. It's time for you to change. So in listening to these programs, if you've discovered that you have a gaping hole, you have a loophole through your own negligence or disobedience or maybe something accidental, maybe you've really accidentally done something you shouldn't have done, some kind of a violation, a principle broken, and through it, the devil found access, then repent. Repentance will close the door, repentance will seal the crack, and that will keep the devil out of your life. If you know he has access, then stop the access. Stop it through the act of repentance. Wow. 
This is such vital teaching, and it will really make a difference in your life if you'll take it and do something with it. And the principles I've given you, particularly the seven things you can do to erect a wall of defense, they're doable, and they will really keep the devil out of your life. Wow, I've had such a good time teaching this. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Do you feel like you're under attack in your relationships, your finances, your health? The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and made life more abundant. You can have victory in your relationships, your finances, and your health by learning how to keep the devil out of your life. In Rick's 10-part teaching series, How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life, you'll learn that our lives are under constant assault by the enemy, and he is always looking for a way in. But you can have victory over the devil by learning how to build a spiritual wall of defense around you and those you love. Available in physical and digital formats, starting at just $20. You'll learn how to guard against the attacks of the enemy and fight back when you choose to believe God and commit to His Word. In addition to the teaching series, you can also get Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. This book gives you a fresh understanding of the armor of God, the spiritual weapons of war, and how you can defeat every lie of the devil and live in victory every day. Available for just $10, this powerful resource will give you the tools you need to go on offense against the enemy. Don't miss this special offer, How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life, and or the companion book, Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. Call now or go to renner.org to order. I've had such a good time teaching this series, and I pray that it's made a difference in your life. I want to remind you of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 from the RIV. The King James Version says we are to resist the devil steadfast in faith. The Greek would be better translated, whom you must strategically oppose, resisting his potential assaults by putting up a pre-planned resistance. You must do all you can to bolster and reinforce yourself in the faith. I've been giving you practical things you can do to bolster yourself and to reinforce yourself in faith to put up a pre-planned resistance. It's for sure the devil's going to try to attack you. It happens to everybody. You don't need to be afraid of this, but you need to be aware of it. You need to be vigilant. You need to be sober and take action so that even if he tries, he'll never get on the inside. Wow, you can do it. That's why I've been teaching you this series. And I'm offering you today for the very last time our series called How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life, a 10-part series based on these programs with a wonderful study guide with Greek words and definitions and all kinds of points and principles, along with my book called Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. But I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand with my friend as part of the allied troops in their life. And I command the devil to move off, to move out, Father, I pray that through the act of repentance, every door will be closed, every crack will be sealed, and the devil will no longer find entrance into the life of my precious friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. It's been great. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. Let this word of God work in your life today, and it will give you power. And I'll see you in the next program. 
Rick Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.